make make sure I didn't lose my notes here. That would be awkward. All right. Well, good evening, church. Thanks for coming tonight. Um, I'm going to start off tonight with uh, one of the my favorite phrases I've heard about fathers. That'll be a little bit what we're talking about tonight. It goes like this. Fathers are the geniuses of the household. No, really. (laughs) Only a creature as intelligent as we can fake such stupidity. goes on to say, remember your fathers. Remember when he would go out in the, in the garage or in the yard to go fix something? Two minutes later, your mom would say, go check on your father before he blows something up. But we did that on purpose, or we do that on purpose, because we know somebody's coming that can do it for us. <laughs> My name is Ron Quaylar. For those of you that don't know, I've been married for 14 years to my beautiful wife, Mary. Um, Really don't have to look at my notes for this part. (laughs) I know my name. (laughs) I have four kids, two boys, the oldest. Colton is 11, just turned 11. Ronnie is eight. And I have two younger girls, Asher is, or sorry, Presley is eight, is five, and Asher is just about to be two. Two is, is that right, Mary? <laughs> and I I just love how each one of them are so different. Um, getting to be a dad is is an off, awesome and cool privilege that I have. But I I just love how each one is specific in their own character. And what I mean by is like Colton, he's just like a sweet kid. The guy is just full of wisdom and and he thinks deep about everything. And Ronnie is a little bit more aggressive. He's he's a little guy. He's got small man syndrome for sure. But uh, the guy is a snuggle bug and uh, just a sweet kid also. And Presley is just a mini version of my wife. She is a princess, and uh, I allow her to act like one, along with Asher, our newest baby, and uh, she's just so sweet. And for those of you that don't, haven't seen it, when I always think of her, I have kids, so I watch kid movies a lot, but uh, the, the, the movie I always think about is Santa Paws. It's, it's about a, a Christmas movie with dogs. And um, there's this little girl on there. If you haven't seen it, watch it, and you'll see exactly what Asher is. You'll, you won't even have to ask me which one do you think she is if, if, you, if you meet Asher. So uh, let's go ahead and pray. Lord God, I just thank you for bringing us together tonight, Lord, that uh, we can gather somewhere and get into your word, Lord, and just gain in your wisdom. And Lord, that uh, I just pray that you give us all understanding tonight, Lord. And um, just bless each and one of us here tonight. And Lord, I pray above all that um, 
whatever it is that you want to speak to each of us individually about, Lord, that we would take that out of here tonight, Lord, and apply it uh, every day, Lord, and to do it to honor you. We thank you and, and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, Pastor Zeke couldn't be here tonight because he had his grandchild today. Came two weeks early. And so I, I called him about five minutes before and I said, Zeke, there's nobody here to, ch- here to teach. Who's going to teach? And he's like, you're supposed to. Okay, I got it. <laughs> so, so no, he's, he's down there with his grandchild. So uh, congratulations to him. Um, my topic today is walking in obedience. And it's in Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 9. When I got this topic, I was really excited. I went into Zeke's office and he told me that I'd be teaching on this. And uh, I knew, knew it right away. And before I even left his office, the Lord was just putting things on my heart that I could share. And I felt like one of those guys in one of those, you know, in the movies where you're just spinning around and there's everything is everywhere and you can't make focus on anything. So I was like, I'll take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And then before I knew it, it was just, Lord, I don't have that much time to teach all this. I wish I did. But uh, I, I, I liked it because I didn't always walk in obedience in my, in my Christian life even, uh, or in my life, uh, but yet I can relate to it a lot, um, especially the, the, these verses that I got, having being a father and um, having four kids. So I got home that day and uh, started, started right away studying and a couple of days went by and I just, I, I pray before I actually write anything down, I want to make sure the Lord's telling me and that, and that I can hear him clearly before I write anything down and my wife came into to the office in, in our house and she said, have you been working on your study? And I said, Yes. I've been working on my study. And she says, good. Because you know that you're teaching the people that allow their kids to go in the back with you every week. And so it better be good. (laughs) And then I realized what the topic was again and that I'd be teaching you guys or sharing with you guys what the Bible says about household rules and walking in obedience I don't know about you, but if you've ever seen somebody try to tell somebody how to raise their kids, it doesn't always end well. And so I went from being a little bit probably overconfident about this topic to being literally uh, scared. (laughs) So I was thinking of ways I could tell Zeke, uh, something's come up. (laughs) I lost my voice. So let's go ahead and, and read Ephesians 6. 1 through 9. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. 
And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training of the Lord. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. The good will doing service as to the Lord and not to the men, and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you, masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So last Thursday, Jeff Muse was able to uh, teach on husbands and wives, and we're, we're going to be moving away from that a little bit and going more into husband, wife, and kids. We're going to be throwing them into the mix here. But a lot of people read this, and they think if they don't have kids, if, if they've never had kids, or if their kids have moved out, or they're older now and they're past that part of their life, that this doesn't apply to them. And I, I want to just tell you that's incorrect. I want to give you an example about that. Um, I had no one telling me what to do from the time I was 11 until I was married. I was so proud of that one. (laughs) But during that time in between there, I remember a lady, a beautiful, amazing lady that, that was put into my life that I had the privilege to call my grandma. She was a Christian woman and she walked in fellowship with Christ. And she shared with me what she could, when she could. So I was hardly ever, ever get to go, I hardly ever got to go over there. But when I did, I just wanted to stay forever. I remember just how close I was with her. And I don't have one negative thought. I can't think of anything bad about my grandma. And I, I just love that God gave me that privilege to have her in my life. And I don't know where I'd be today if, if God didn't put her in my life. So God used her to plant a seed in me. And I'm so thankful for that. I know, I know that I wouldn't be standing here today if I was in situations and didn't remember the things that she had told me. And one thing that's always stuck with me, and I know that she doesn't know when... Jesus is coming. But she would always tell me, Ronnie, I don't think that the Lord will come in my time, but I think He will in yours. So be ready. 
And even though I didn't really have a strong walk while I was growing up, that really stuck with me. And it kept me out of a lot of trouble. So I encourage you, even if you don't have kids or, or they're grown up and moved out, get involved in, in some young person's life. Little things could mean huge things to these, to these youngsters. Like going to a sports game. If you know a kid that, that's playing sports and he doesn't have anybody that's going to, see, to watch him, Man, what a blessing that would be for, for that young man or that young lady. Bring them to youth group. That would be cool. I'd love to meet them. Get them a Christmas gift or birthday gift. Little things like that. My best advice, though, is if you know a youngster and you want to get involved is do whatever the Lord's telling you to do in their life and just listen to it. And that's a hard thing to do, just listen. My son came to me the other day and he said, Dad, this is Colton. He asked me really tough questions sometimes. Dad, how do I know I'm listening to God? How do I know it's Him? And I said, that's a good one, son. <laughs> but let me, t- I, I told him, it, it's something that just becomes natural. When you discipline yourself, and you're in his word, and you're having fellowship with him, you just learn to listen. And it's almost like going outside and playing baseball. When someone throws you a ball, you put your mitt up. It's just a natural reaction. And I said, it's not a feeling that comes on you. It's not like hairs that stand up on your, on your arms or in the back of your neck. It's not, it's not what happens. Being able to listen to God is really, you have to have fellowship with Him first. Youngsters, high schoolers, my youth, obey your parents. Why? Because God just told you to. That should be reason enough. It's right here, your Father in Heaven that we believe in is telling you to obey your parents. Don't obey your parents just when you want something. Okay? And parents, most parents know what I'm talking about. When you get home from work, you notice that the weeds that were outside are gone. And you didn't ask them to be gone. The trash is taken out, and there's even a bag in there. Maybe the car's washed. And then you walk in and you, and you see your, your kid standing there. Your beautiful, sweet kid. And they're standing there with their arms behind their back, kind of swinging like this. <laughs> Did you notice anything? And then mom usually already knows what's going on and says, No, you're not going. 
And that beautiful kid that pulled your weeds and took out your trash, they're now jumping up and down and throwing a tantrum like a two-year-old. So do those things even when you don't want to go somewhere. Verse 2, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Parents, be honorable. It's a lot easier. The Lord commands them to honor you. And, it, and, and kids, it doesn't say if you have nice parents or not. You have to honor your parents. But parents, you really should be honorable. I'm going to give you the best advice that I know how to give you to be an honorable parent. If you want your family to be obedient to you, you must have fellowship with Christ first. And dads, it starts with you. You're the head of the household. You're the spiritual leader. In order to have fellowship with Christ, you must be in agreement with God. What does that mean? It means you'll try with all your heart, mind, and strength to follow His rules. Not because you want something from God, because you love Him and you want to honor Him. So don't be like that kid that pulled the weeds because he wanted something to God. Don't get up in the morning and do your devotion. And then say, did you notice anything, God? Can I have that new car now? Can I get that promotion? We have to set the example for our kids. So how do we do this? It's by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So it's without tasting it, without seeing it, you still believe with all your might, even to eternity. That's true faith, not having doubt. In Hebrews 11, uh, verse 3, By faith we understand that the universe was formed by God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So the next time you're watching the Nature Channel with your kids, instead of getting upset when they start talking about how billions of years old this, this earth is and how the fish turned into the frog and the frog... I don't really don't know what they all do. I stopped listening after that. But... Um, Instead of getting off, turning it off and walking out of the room, maybe start teaching your kids. Son, that's what people that don't believe in God believe. But see that frog right there? God created it just like that. He gave them that tongue to get that, that fly. That wasn't, that wasn't something that happened over time. Teach, your, God, teach your, your children that 
God is the one that created this world, and he created it out of nothing. And he did it with just his command. Matthew 11, verse 5. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. What does that mean? Well, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 explains it. So then by faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. This means that you have to read your Bible. The Bible is the living, breathing word of God. So in order to have fellowship with that, you have to listen to his word. In order to listen to his word, you have to read his word. And then you have to follow. When you get up in the morning and before you go to work and, you, and you're doing your devotions, kids notice that. Especially when they're young. I remember uh, Colton, especially, about three, four years old, about that time. That's when he really started wanting to copy everything I was doing. That was when that, those moments happen that you always think about when you, you hear songs about and stuff, or they start trying to walk with your step and stuff, and you notice it. I love that. They try to enjoy anything that you enjoy. If you love fishing, they love fishing. If you love camping, they love camping. If you read the Bible, they're going to want to read the Bible. Or they're, want to, they're going to want to know what it says. Dads may be the leader of the household, but God is your father still. And so you have to obey him and honor him. And that takes discipline. It doesn't just happen. God gives us the, the, the handbook. He tells us how the Christian family should be. He wants us to follow his, his instruction. But he gave us that free will. So you have to choose to do it. He's not going to do everything for you. It's just like going out and playing baseball again. He'll, you have the glove on. Or if someone throws you the ball, you have to put your glove up. Or else it's going to hit you and give you a black eye. You've got to do some work. I recommend reading the rest of Hebrews chapter 11 on faith. Is there a way to turn these off right here? Just or lower them down? I told my boys the other day, I said, parents should want what's better for their kids. 
Things I wish I could have got or, or wish I did, I wish that you would have those. I pray that you have those things. That's what a parent's goal should be. Instruct them in, in God's commandments and have, give them a better life than what you had. And the one thing I told him, I told my two boys, I said, the one thing I want you guys to have that I didn't have is fellowship with Christ when you're young. How much heartache that would have saved. Read your Bibles every day. They have action Bibles with comics in them. I learn a lot from those things. Maybe even more. Because I understand it. I'm like, oh, really? And they have the pictures and everything. So if you don't understand, you're like, oh, okay. They really do. Colton comes in all the time and tells me things. And I have to go look it up. And I'm like, wow, he's right. That's really good. I let my kids know that no matter what they do in life, whether it's going through trash on a conveyor line or if they're president of the United States, I will always be proud of them as long as they have a relationship with Christ. And I have to tell you, I stole that from my in-laws. When I was asking to marry their daughter, I kind of changed the words a little bit when I told my kids, but because I didn't want to forge their thing. They told me, son, I don't care if you're sweeping streets or you're a bank, working in a bank. As long as you're a godly man, we'll be proud of you. And that stuck with me. So I passed it on to my kids. In verse 3, God tells us that we will have a long and blessed life, probably because if you listen to your parents, they won't kill you. (laughs) You know that saying, I brought you into this world, I can take you out? But sorry, moms, you didn't get to choose to be your mom's, your kid's mom. God put you in that role. So no killing your kids. Don't go home and say, well, Ron said. Verse 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In Roman times, when this was written, Roman dads could do whatever they wanted to their children. Make them work in fields. Put chains on them. Those of you with toddlers probably wanted to do that a few times. Sell them as slaves and even have them killed. I put this in a little bit more of a simpler phrase. It's easier for me. It says, don't be a jerk to your kids. That sums it up pretty, pretty good. So if Junior goes to the cookie jar and takes a cookie out that you told him not to, 
Don't go up and say, give me that cookie. And then start eating it. Bet you wish you were me right now. That's mean. People do that. They like to be mean to their kids just to get a reaction. Simply tell them to put the cookie away. And then put the cookie away where they can't see it. So they're not tempted to do it again. But if they do it again, spank them. It's okay. I told you no. Don't spare the rod. If you don't, they could grow up taking things that don't belong to them. And it just, it's because they never were taught discipline. They think it's okay. They'll get away with it. Love your kids and show it. Teach them to have fellowship with Christ. Teach them how a Christian father should discipline their kids so they pass that example on when they have kids. Bill Cosby says, don't be the father that can't finish a sentence. When your kid does something you don't like, don't go, and then walk out and they're crying. You're like, I think I got to them. And your wife's like, no, they think you just turned into the Tasmanian devil. If it's a situation where you have to discipline them, pray about it. Take your time. Pray about what you're going to say to them. Then go back there and tell them why it is they they got in trouble. Maybe explain to them that it's because you love them and you want them to not grow up to be like that. Tell them again how much you love them after their discipline. Make sure you show them some affection. Maybe give them a hug some advice always try and encourage your kids and never give up here are some do's and don'ts starting with the don'ts for parents don't be a critic don't look for all the things that he's doing wrong or she's doing wrong if he's not a football player, don't tell him that he tackles like a girl. It hurts. It's okay if they're not football players. Encourage them in whatever it is that they want to be or they want to do. Don't be over strict. The best way I can put it is like this. This is the best way I saw it. Explain. Kids are like a bar of soap. If you squeeze too tight, it will slip out. A gentle but firmly hold usually does the trick. Try to have more yeses than noes. 
I mean, is it really that bad if they want to go out in the front yard and play ball for a little bit? When you're watching the third, ep- the third rerun of some show? Don't be irritable with your kids. Again, I got this from my, my father-in-law. Leave your work at work. Don't bring it home. Whatever's bugging you, whatever's stressing you out at work, before you get home, leave it at the feet of Jesus. That way you can walk through the door and be a blessing to your family instead of a nuisance. I love walking, getting home and opening the door and all my kids come running at me and I'm like, like this. Hey, what's up? And then I tackle them and play with them and tickle them. Rough them up a little bit. It's fun. Don't have favoritism. This is one of the most damaging things a parent can do to their kids. Don't favor one child over the other. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not even going to go into that. Love your kids equally. We're, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And no matter what we, what we are, God loves each of us equally. How awful that would be to know God loves somebody else more than he did me. I think that's enough don'ts. Here are some do's. Dads, don't be afraid to show your kids tenderness. Ronnie, my son Ronnie likes to snuggle. Don't be afraid to say the word snuggle. It took me a while. Some guys are like... Can't do it, Ron. I'll give him one of these. Give him a fist pound or something. It's okay if your kid is is tender, tender hearted. Some dads are are thinking that their their kids or boys are too girly if if they're tender. And if you express that to them, it could be a real disaster. They don't think that they're normal. And there's a group of people out there that would love to get their hands on them and tell, try to tell them that it is normal. The kid's not gay if he's tender. It's a great gift, actually. Teach him that. It's okay to admit when you're wrong. 
and to say you're sorry. This teaches your kids how to be humble and honest. If I ever come home and I see my kids doing something, I think I saw something or heard something and I get one of them in trouble. My wife's pretty good at coming at me and saying, that's not what happened. And so if that happens, don't be afraid to go in there and say, you know what, I messed up. God should give me a spanking right now. Make it right. Do discipline your kids. Discipline is another word for training. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train your child in the way he should go. Men, this is your responsibility. Mom should help, but you're the head of the household. You're the spiritual leader. It's your responsibility that kids grow up in fellowship with Christ. A lot of times parents want to be their kids' friends. It's not good. They grow up with nobody telling them what to do. Well, that's how they're going to grow up. They're not going to like it when somebody tells them what to do. And they go get a job, they're in a rude awakening. Because there's plenty of people there that want to tell him what to do or her what to do. There's people that really like to tell people what to do. Give clear instructions. This is important for a kid while he's growing up, especially. If I was to come here and my kids hear me teaching this or sharing this with you, and I said, do all these things, don't do all these things. And then I go home and I walk through the front door and I turn into that Tasmanian devil. He's so confused now or she's so confused. And what they're thinking is, mom or dad, they're, they're two-faced. They're hypocrites. I'm not going to really take what they're saying seriously. It causes them to re- want to rebel. They don't have any respect for you. Your kids didn't get to choose you for their parents. God put you in that position. So you too are instructed to honor your father. So do it. Verse 5. Go all the way to 8. Slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. 
because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. At this time in Rome, there were millions of slaves. They did all the work around the house. They were the property of their master, and they had no rights. The owner could buy them, sell them, punish them, whip them, or put them in prison, or kill them. It sounds a lot like how they treated kids. But a slave didn't always have a bad life. When a master had the respect of the slaves, they would work harder for that master to try and please them. See, this whole passage that we're reading has to deal with how we are to live with each other. It's telling us to submit to each other out of respect for Christ. If you're an employee and you're working for someone, you should be working for that person as if you're working for Christ. It doesn't say if your boss is a nice boss, then work hard. If he's a jerky boss and we're doing what we're reading now, we're not working for that jerky boss anyways. We're working for Christ. But it is easier to work for a nice boss. Just throw that out there. I started working where I am now at Northwest Pipe for going on 14 years or so, about that. And I remember the first time I met my boss. He barely spoke English. And the crew I had to work with didn't speak a lick of it. I learned to eat fruit with weird seasonings, and I liked it. I remember the look I had on on Mary's face when I got home with an avocado, and I sliced it and started eating it with some chili powder or salt or whatever else you can put on it. What are you doing? This is what they eat for lunch. It's good. Try it. Try it. We would all sit Indian style on the floor and pass it around. No, we didn't. I've totally made that up. (laughs) But I'd clock in every day and I'd ask the Lord to help me get through it. Help me fit in. Help me do a good job. Help help me have respect for my boss. Let me me show him that I'm a hard worker. And through it all, I, I, while I worked there, when I started there, it was at the very bottom, very bottom of the company. And what I did is I put wood stalls inside pipe, hammering, putting these things together with wedges, crawling in and out of pipe. And I started in July, and it was 90, between 90 and 100 degrees, whatever it was. And when I'd get home, I'd take a shower and take a shower, and I'd have dirt embedded in my back from sliding in there. Some of the pipe are only 30 inches in diameter or so. 
the big ones were the nice ones to get into because you could stand up. But those were few and far in between. I learned some Spanish along the way. Gained respect from some of the hardest workers I've ever met. And I did it because I knew it pleased God. And I had a greater responsibility at home. I really hated it. I hated my job. It was dirty. I worked long hours in the beginning. But like I said, I had a family at home and I was responsible for their well-being. I remember one time after about, I don't know, three, four, five months, I don't know, it was months. I hadn't missed a day, but I was a temporary employee. And I... And Mary and I were living in these apartments and my alarm didn't go off one morning and I was going to be 15 minutes late. And I was so bummed. I thought, man, I'm a temp. They're going to lay me off. I just know it. I blew this. So I crawled back in bed and I told Mary, I blew it. I'm going to be late. They're just, they're just going to fire me anyway, so I'm not going to go. And she very lovingly told me, get your butt out of this bed right now, <laughs> and you go to that job. And so I took her advice. <laughs> I went back to work that day, and nobody even said anything. I clocked in and went to work. I remember the whole drive there. Please, God, don't let him fire me. Please, God, don't let him fire me. Please, God, don't let him fire me. I've been working at that same place now, 13 and a half years or so. I've never been late again. And that's by the grace of God. Some people are late because their cars break down, tire pops, things like that. Those things happen and they... It's okay to be late for those reasons. When I moved up to a higher department up in the company, I had I had a goal. I wanted to move up through these departments. Okay, I I work here now, and the next department up is here, and then the next department here is here. Well, one time I was, in, I was installing in a pipe, working, and I heard this voice. Hey, you, come out of there. Okay, it startled me for a little bit, but I, I got out there, and it was our plant manager. I've never met him before in my life. Been there six, seven months, never met him. He, he was uh, very loud. But he said, what's your name? I'm Ron. How long have you been here? Six months. How many days have you missed? None. Good. There's a position on the mills. I want you to have it. The supervisor's name over there is Ron. What's your name again? Ron. Good. You shouldn't, you shouldn't remember it. I messed that up. I went up and saw Ron, and I started for his department. Uh, 
about a week later. And uh, that's the highest department, hourly department that they have in the company. And people were like, man, who do you know? Who do you know that you got moved up like that? I didn't know anybody. I was eating fruit. <laughs> and that's, that's the next thing I know, I'm over here. I knew God was taking care of me. I just knew it. There was no way. Everyone was telling me, unless you know somebody, you don't move up there. Well, when I got there, there was this foreman on the mill. There's these steel mills. And this guy was six foot five, looked like a barbarian, and he acted like one too. I thought, oh, great. One time I got to work, and thank God I only had to see him for half an hour a day because I was on swing shift at this time. And he was the foreman on days, and there was a half an hour transition period. But it was a half an hour too long sometimes. I promise you, one time this guy had a 50-pound pry bar, and he threw it at this guy. I'm serious. And it just missed him. And it went across the shop floor. I just knew I was going to die. I was still probably 145 pounds at this time, 150. I remember getting behind this ladder and just waiting. What do I do? I don't know what to do. But I remember every day before, before work, I would, I, they have restrooms in there, and there's a little corner that you go in. And I still do this. I, I go to work, and I go back in there, and I pray. And my prayer back then when I, when I was working around this guy was, Lord, just help me get through this day and don't let me make this guy mad. <laughs> help me be a good example for you. Let me work the way that you would want me to work. And then that day came. My supervisor came to me and he said, Ron, guess what? You're going to day shift and you're going to work with this barbarian. So I went straight to Psalms 23.4 Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil <laughs> I didn't really do that But Would have been a good idea to do but I did pray God take care of me And I, I knew he would I worked hard Just like I would always did before I, worked, I always worked like My supervisor was watching Even when he wasn't because God is watching us. One day, my supervisor came out to me and he said, Ron, I don't know what you're doing, but he likes you. I missed an opportunity there. Because I knew what had happened. I knew God was taking care of me. And man, if I could go back to that day, I would. I would tell him right there. I worked hard. I watched and observed. Made sure I didn't make them mad. And God was right there to help me along the way. Work hard and with enthusiasm as if you're trying to please the, please the Lord. I always think like I'm trying to break a record. 
when I'm working? What record can I break? If I did whatever it is, piece work, if I did nine, I want to try to do ten. If day shift got five, I'm doing six. Or whatever I can do. Verse 9, And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no favoritism in him. Well, guess what? I'm in management now. And I listen to these verses very carefully. I remember how I felt when I was in the shop. And I didn't have a boss that treated people fairly. Or they played favoritism. And I remember how much harder I did work for the bosses that treated us right. There's just something about it, that little extra kick that you want, you want to make your boss look good. I know that God sees me and the guys that work for me on the same level. And that alone makes me love the Lord even more. There's no favoritism with Him. And so I really do love those guys that come in every day and they clock in and work hard. And they give their all. It's not easy work. It's hard work. And I'm very appreciative of it. God really has blessed me with a crew that earns their pay each week. And I really do try to be a, a, a good boss that God would want me to be. Don't get me wrong. Some people come along that aren't very good employees. And I do try to give them the benefit of the doubt. And some people tell me more than one occasion, Ron, you're too easy on these guys. And maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I don't, I don't think I am. But I would rather have an employee let me down than me let God down. I try to see more of the good in people than the bad in people. I try not to be such a bad critic. Don't get me wrong. I fail a lot. I don't want to stand up here and say these stories about my life and make you think that I'm saying this because I think I'm perfect or something like that. I'm far from it. I make lots of mistakes. But I do try with all my heart to listen to God. And when you do that and you discipline yourselves every day, not just sometimes, every day, it's not something that you have to try to do anymore. It's something that just becomes natural. Loving God should be natural. 
It's not. If you're not, if you're not with God, you're a sinner, and you're naturally a sinner. But when you discipline yourself, you read His Word every day, and you try to follow His Word every day. It's just something that you do automatically. It becomes habit. So remember that, whether you're a mother, a father, son or daughter, employee or employer, have fellowship with God. And that way you'll learn to walk in obedience. Let's pray. Lord God, just thank you. Thank you again for being our God. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for all the blessings, Lord. We thank you. Lord, I just pray again that whatever we learn tonight, Lord, whatever it is you wanted to speak to each one of us, that we would apply that to our everyday lives, Lord. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.